Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the BU Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter. My mission is to empower people to become the best versions of themselves so that they can live their best lives. I'm redefining success so people stop living the lives they think they should live and start living the lives they love. Join me weekly as I share my own insights and speak with guests that have embraced their unique gifts into living life on their terms. I hope these conversations inspire you to make the most out of your life by being your best self. Remember, be you, be beautiful. Hey, you guys. I don't know about you all, but I struggle with the idea of failure. I've been working on my mindset around around failure and trying to remind myself that it's okay to fail. It's part of success. And with failing comes learning and growth, but it's still kind of hard. But with today's episode, I've added a new way to look at failure. It's not just about failing. It's about your ability to make adjustments and move forward. And for me, the idea of making small adjustments along the way to success is a little less terrifying than failure on its own. And so for today's episode, I got to speak with Linda Wozniak. Her life has been full of adjustments. She's gone from engineering to teaching, developing an educational business, and is now founder of Major League Consulting, LLC, and is the author of Million Dollar Adjustments, The Power of Small Changes on Performance, Productivity, and Peace. Linda has helped thousands of professional athletes perform at their highest level by teaching them the art of making adjustments. I'm just so honored that I got to speak with Linda, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you guys. And from Linda's story, you'll learn about assessing your priorities, seizing opportunities, combining your talents, and learn about the five elements of adjusting. Enjoy! Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment to share how I host my podcast using Anchor. It's free and easy to use. You can record and edit using your phone or computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's super easy to use, and they do the work for you. I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on to the show. So Linda, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yes. Um, so I have been working inside of professional baseball for about the last 15 years. Um, had a wonderful experience with a World Series championship win, which um, got to be part of the team that was rebuilding. Um, to see it come to that was just amazing. Yeah, so, I bet. <laughs> Like yeah. I could not imagine the feeling like to be a part of that. Well, I didn't really know that was going to happen. We, you know, I was just sort of asked to come in and help these, um, the international players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, adjust to life in the U S and so they could, so they could play at a higher level. And, but I had heard that the team was in a rebuild and, um, next thing I know, like we were like, it was just to be in a rebuild there's just such an intentionality because I've been in situations where it's not a rebuild and you can just see people are just sort of doing their job and kind of doing it day by day in a rebuild where people really want to win the world series wow it's day to day there's this special motivation there's this different type of conversation and um it's just really intentional so that was that was an amazing um journey and and prior to that you know I've I've worked in um you know I've had uh, business done had my own business um, and worked um, as an engineer. My very first job out of college, I realized I didn't really like that very much. Um, yeah. Really would prefer to be with people. So um, yeah, that's that's really me. And also, I have two kids. So awesome. um, and, and a dog. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. Well, I'm curious to kind of dive into that story a little bit of, so like your background is originally as an engineer. I, yeah, that's what I did in college. Um, okay. I have only brothers and my, my older brother told me to get into something that would be marketable. So he highly recommended at that time, like science, technology, engineering, and math. That was the big thing, especially yeah. for women. There weren't women in going into that. Mm-hmm. Those fields. So I said, okay. And the coursework was very challenging. Um, <laughs> And then I left and I worked for a, um, a big, a fortune five company, did that for about a year and a half. And then just really didn't feel like my heart in it. I just felt mm-hmm. very, I mean, it was, it was great. It was, I learned a lot. I got to do a lot of work with a lot of international people and just do some amazing things. It was actually there that I really learned that I like to teach inter- like international people. Um, yeah. but I really didn't love the work work and, um, and then I got pregnant and, uh, with my, my, my oldest, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is a time where I have to make a decision. Um, so that's kind of, it kind of eased me out of that. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I just have really never looked back. Yeah, I love that. And then, so, so you had your oldest and mm-hmm. then you started your business or what did, what did that kind of look like? Well, yeah, I, I had my oldest and, um, and it was funny because um, a couple of things happened. Uh, I stayed, decided to stay home, but I thought, well, I can take on little jobs here and there, you know, maybe while at night or, you know, when my husband's home or my mom could help out or something, just little odd jobs. And so one of the things that I did was um, I started to teach a course at the local community college and mm-hmm. just did a, you know, a night or two a week. And then um, that was going really well. And then I realized that as my daughter got older and I got pregnant again with my son, I thought, well, gosh, you know, I need to be able to hold this bottle while I help this other child. Oh, my gosh. So I just as an engineer, I just came up with this little contraption that I created. I called it the bottle gizmo. And all it was going to do was hold the bottle for me mm-hmm. so that I could take care of my other son and, you know, while one was or my daughter, you know, take care of one child while the other one was feeding. Yeah. Um, well, next thing I know, my brother-in-law comes over one day, he sees it. And he goes, that's really cool. You should market that. And I said, yeah, okay. And then when he left, I thought, yeah, maybe I'll do that. That'd be interesting. So um, mm-hmm. I ended up um, building a better version of it. And, you know, when you're a stay-at-home mom, your mind can kind of go in different places. You're like, okay, maybe I can do that. Hmm, that sounds fun. And yeah. so I had extra time. And so I started doing that. And Next thing I know, um, I had like some local women sewing it. I had it in local baby stores. And then somebody decided to do a story on it. And from mm-hmm. that story, I got a call from Target. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Target asked me if I would carry it or if they could carry it and if we could ship it. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh. So that created this whole huge business model. And at that point, I, I had another decision to make. Um, yeah. You know, like, do I, I mean, big box retail is a huge undertaking Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, do I really want to do that? I don't know. So I just really looked at it and went, no, this isn't the time of my life. Like it was hard to turn it down, but I was like, no, I can't do that effectively and also be a good mom. I just can't do both. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm curious, um, like looking back, do you have any regrets on that or? What are your thoughts nope. on that now? Yeah. Good. Zero reg- yeah. Um, 
So then I, yeah, I mean, and the reason is because I sold the rights. So that was a good thing. And I learned how to sell things, like I learned how to sell rights. And then after that, um, you know, I just kind of, my, my kind of just did a, went back and just did a little bit of teaching still in the evening. And then when my son was probably six or seven, um, I had a um, local team, baseball team come in town and they were already here, but they were starting to like hire a, and, and get a lot of guys in from Latin America. So they needed somebody mm-hmm. to help them learn English. Okay. So they asked me, and I'm, and I'm fluent in Spanish. Um, so they asked me if I would be willing to teach. And the reason that they asked me is because I was doing some of that college teaching already. And I had some um, connection with the Department of Education and the local, you know, the local um, adult education um, office. So they knew about me. So I said, yeah, that'd be fine. And it was like 20 some hours for the whole summer. Like it wasn't even anything really. It was not a big commitment. So I was like, I'll do that. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. Um, And then it just kind of yeah, as, as my kids grew, that expanded and grew. And there was a point where I was working with up to like 600 players at a time. And wow. um, yeah, in three countries. I mean, it got a little, it, it really blew up. But, um, but then in 2019, I thought, okay, I mean, I just kind of got it put on my heart that it's time to sell it. So I did. I'm just like, this. you've done like so much already. And I feel like we haven't even really started to get into like what we wanted to get into. No, I love it. It's amazing. Um, I'm just so curious of like, you know, you just started on this like small little scale of like a couple of hours, you know, helping these baseball players. Like, how did it build? And like, did you think it was going to be something that you were like, gonna build into something or I'm just kind of like what happened (laughs) I mean I just said yes you know I just said yes because the timing was right my my son was in t-ball or little little league baseball and I thought oh that would be nice for maybe he'll meet a player or something like that um I like that anyway it (laughs) yeah he it's gone from that to so much more than that he's been um inside of a major league baseball team he's done so much I mean it's just crazy how it all transpired but he um, we ended up having, you know, I said, yes. And then at that time it was like seven players. I had seven players. And after that, it was once that first summer I said, wow, they, there's really no system in place. Like major league baseball doesn't have a system. Nobody really has a good system. Um, I guess I have to develop it. And it's really a good thing. I had an engineering mind because, and, and, and I had language, right. And I had mm-hmm. I just said, I can do this. So um, I put it together. I went and consulted people that I did know. It did also help that my mom had a, um, my mom was a pioneer in bilingual education. So that was very helpful. Yeah. Um, So, um, so I just put it together. And next thing I know, it was, um, it was, I said, well, I wonder okay, we got these seven guys, but like, this is only one stop. And in, in baseball, there's like the minor league has five to six teams before they ever get to the majors. So I said, okay, what about the team below me? Like there, do they have any English courses? Cause they're coming, you know, they're like, no, they don't. I said, can I work with them? And they said, yeah. And at the time it was Arizona diamondbacks. And they're like, yeah, you can do that. That'd be great. Okay. So I worked with them. And then the following summer, I'm like, how about the team above me too? Like, let's make this a consistent system thing throughout the entire minor leagues. And they're like, okay, let's do that. So 
then I'd start doing that for them. And then other teams heard about it and it started to grow to other teams. And um, so I created, it was really an education company is what I had and um, didn't have any intention of doing that. Um, it just sort of happened. And, yeah, you know, I had to make adjustments all along the way. Um, and so I really lean into the ability, like I really lean into that we all have to make adjustments because sometimes opportunity is going to come to you an opportunity that maybe you didn't even plan on. Um, yeah. and, and if you say yes to that, you feel in your heart that that's what you should be doing, then, then you, you will definitely have to make adjustments along the way. So, um, you have to know how to do that and be willing to do that. Um, so that's why I, that's what I did all that's, you can tell from my whole career, it's been a series of adjustments, right? <laughs> yeah. And now I'm kind of curious because, you know, you've said yes. And these things kind of, I mean, it's almost like it fell into your lap, into your lap, but then you kind of built on it and you knew you wanted to like keep running with it. Um, were there any other um, opportunities along the way that you like said no to because, you know, it didn't feel right? Or did you just kind of say yes to everything? Oh gosh, no, I did not say yes to everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I do think focus is important, but you know, like I think that I got gut feelings and I think we all get gut feelings and we just sometimes yeah. really listen to those. There were many times I, I would ask, you know, either my husband or, uh, you know, a mentor, I'd say, okay, this is what's, this is what's coming now. Do you think, I don't know about it. And sometimes he'd say, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? And sometimes he'd say, no, I don't know. What do you think? You know, there, there were definite places like when um the opportunity came to go to one foreign country in particular i was like no i don't feel like i should be going there so i had a, i had an opportunity to go to dubai and um mm -hmm. help them with a um an international sports um like basically auditing procedure and okay this is and I did, at the time, I just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. It would have taken away from the baseball. It would have been right at a crazy time to travel for me. So I was like, no, even though that's a great opportunity, I can't do it all. I mean, I can't yeah. do it all. And back to the first thing with Target, right? Mm -hmm. What, at when, at what point does it break down and you can't do it? I would rather do it well than do it all. Yeah. And that was what I always had to ask myself when opportunities came along, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point to be able to focus and, and realize that you can't do it all and that it's more important to do it well. Yeah. I mean, and figure out what it is, I mean, that you want to do well. And for me, I mean, it was definitely parenting was kind of my first thing, but then my second thing was, I think I felt with the baseball, I felt like I was making a difference for people. And I was, mm -hmm. for me, I felt like I was serving people. So that was also really important um, yeah. to me. So that's why I think those became my top priorities, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and with that, did you ever go through a period where you kind of had to like, how did you kind of know that those were your top priorities? Like, did you like have to reassess your priorities or, I mean, does it go back to just having that gut feeling or was it a process? I mean, I think it's a lot of things. Uh, well, maybe not a lot. I think it's a few things. I think it's definitely what's on your heart. I also think it has a lot to do with what you see in the world at the time. I mean, where are things 
where are things? Um, looking around, you have to be kind of astute to what's happening in the world. And mm-hmm. I also think it's where the people around you have needs. So like for my kids, they had different needs that I didn't, I knew I needed to be around and available for that. Um, and my, and my players, they definitely had needs because they build trust with you and, you know, they're not a number, they're, they're a person. And so, you know, they're far from home and they're, I really felt like I was, it was my responsibility to, to be there for them. Just like I would want somebody to be there for my kids. If they were in a foreign country, Mm -hmm. I would want somebody to take care of them, you know, like be there, not just for money or out of a number, but, you know, I just think that's really important. Um, Yeah. So, so that's why, I mean, so I guess that's what, for me, what was my priorities were based on how it was impacting people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And so, and how did you work with the um, players? Like it started, it sounded like it started off with you just teaching them English, but like what else, like how else did you work with them? What other kind of services were you providing? (laughs) So many that they, they didn't, paid me to do like for example one guy was wanting to get engaged to his girlfriend he didn't know how to buy Aww. a ring <laughs> I, I took him to the local diamond store <laughs> and we like talked about you know how to buy a ring for somebody yeah. um, another guy got called up and he didn't have a place to store his car so he ended up storing it at my house for like three months um, we worked on financial management because you know they didn't really have a lot of training on that in their home country. And even, I mean, now major league baseball does a lot better job, but honestly, when Mm -hmm. I started, they just really didn't know a whole lot about, you know, what to do with their money or how to do And they didn't make a lot of money. So how to, you know, budget it correctly, um, life skills. I mean, everything it was, um, I had one guy, it was so funny. I, I mean, I could tell you story after story, but he was like, how do I talk to girls? I just don't know how to talk to American girls. What do I do? And, you know, Aww. just social interactions. I mean, there were so many um, things that yeah. came up. Um, health, wellness, I mean, you name it. Education, they wanted to go on and get a college education. What did they have to do? Um, just everything and anything that you can imagine um, they might have a need in. They did. So we- right. You know, we worked with them to help them. So um, that's why I think I felt so responsible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, you were kind of like this team mom, but yeah, like also I- like a kind of like their life coach and like advisor. And it's kind of crazy. Like the things that you're talking about that was needed for them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I feel like so many, like you're kind of like teaching like adulting and adults need yeah. to learn some of these skills still. So yeah. Well, yeah. there are people in their forties and fifties that don't have these skills. So I think there's no like time, you know, it's just, right. you're right. It's, it's, it is a, um, it's just having somebody to walk through these things with and talking mm-hmm. about and, um, how that impacts decision-making and long-term goal planning. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's I, like, I was the professional mom, the professional team mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. And then, I mean, as you were working with more teams and were working with more players, did you bring on other people to help you or were you still doing all of this by yourself? Oh, gosh, no. Well, so inside of a pro team, first of all, just for English alone, I had at least seven people working with me teaching. So I, okay. I came up with the system and then I taught them the system and then I monitored 
what they were teaching. And um, so I was kind of the principal in that regard. Yeah. Um, but I also knew each player individually too. I mean, I did my best to, um, you know, know them in various, you know, have conversations. Cause I always did, I was part of the testing of, you know, their skills, what they came in with and what they ended up with. So I had to know them in order to test fairly, fairly well. Um, yeah. so it was very, very, it was a lot of work. It was teaching a lot of people, you know, how to run the system. It was, you know, integrating with the players. It was talking to the coaches and the trainers and the mental skills people and the, and the scouts. And, you know, I mean, it was just a, it was a very, it was um, very intensive. It really was. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be as little as, you know, I mean, it really was 12 hour day. I mean, it was 12 hour days, especially during like training and yeah, during the season. So, so seasonal areas were season parts of the season were very, very intense. And then it kind of settled down in other parts of the season. It was so fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, I was just about to ask you, like, did you, um, ever like feel like giving up or have any doubts throughout this process or like, how did you keep going? Oh, that's such a good question. Well, a lot of people don't know. I mean, here's the thing. When you build a business, no matter what it is, you really build it for one of two reasons. You're either building it to sell it or you're building it to somehow close it or give it away, like close the doors or give it away somehow, because that's really the only two reasons you build a business. And nobody really explained that to me until one day when I was trying to make a decision if I should buy computers for we were, we were automating some of the English um, programming and, and the team didn't have, you know, the budget to buy it. And I thought, well, I'll buy them for my, mm-hmm. from my, you know, for my Academy and then I'll let them borrow it. And so as I was talking to someone who gave me advice, he's, he's the one who told me, well, yeah, you can buy it. That's an asset. And then you'll just sell that when you sell your business. And that's the yeah. first time someone ever said, you're going to sell your business to me. And I was like, huh, what? I don't even have my business really going. What are you talking about? Selling <laughs> right. <it?" laughs> But we all get to a point where we don't know if what we're doing is still what we want to do or if Mm -hmm. maybe life changes. It's not exactly where we want to be anymore. So I I kind of tucked that away. And then in 2019, actually it was 2018, it really like I had this wrestling where I could either I had an opportunity to double my business. Mm -hmm. I mean, really double it. Now we're talking that would have been a major undertaking. Um, yeah. and I just got this gut feeling. Oh my gosh. I couldn't sleep for like two weeks straight. I, I was like, Oh, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. And, um, I finally said, no, I'm not going to do that. And so, sorry, it was 2017. I decided not to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 2018, it really, I really felt like I should sell. And yeah. in 2019 I did. So wow. it, it was just sort of like, in fact, I, I, I got to that point again, where I was with Target, like, do I grow like crazy here? Or do I, do I go a different route? Yeah. Um, the other reason that I didn't grow, I'd said no to it was because I would be, I had been developing this test, mm-hmm. the part test that's talked about in this book. Yeah. And I knew what it was doing and I knew how it was helping players. And every time I try to talk about it, People were like, yeah, yeah, you're like the, I mean, in their mind, I could see it in their face. I mean, they didn't say it, but in their face, they're like, yeah, you're the English lady. What do you know about this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So finally I was like, okay, they're not taking this seriously. So yeah. I tried and finally I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to step out of being the English lady if this right. is going to happen. 
kind of like, you know, impact. I mean, that's just so much in that because I mean, first, I think you bring up such a good point of like, when you have a business, you know, at the end of it, you're going to sell it or close it. And that's something that a lot of people don't think about, but it makes a lot of sense too. And then the fact that you, you know, were wrestling with this thought of if you should sell it, I mean, that's so tough um, because it's something that you've built and that you, you know, obviously enjoyed, but that kind of coming to terms with, you know, it's not where I want to be right now or anymore. And that you've got something bigger like that Mm -hmm. is just so hard, but so it's such a valuable lesson because I think, I mean, me myself, I actually had a business that I let go of. And I just know that it was so tough because so much of my like identity had been a part of that. And so for me to finally like let go was hard, but it's just like, now I'm so much more freer to move to the next thing. But before I was kind of like, I don't want to let go. Cause you know, even though it's like you sell it or get rid of it and you can move on to something else or it's still profitable. It's still, at least for me, was kind of like, I almost had failed by not sticking with it, but to have that realization of like, no, there's, there's more on the other side. So I just love that you share that part of your story. Can I ask you what kind of business it was? Oh yeah. It was Mary Kay. That was a Mary Kay oh, consultant. That's awesome. Well, that's, yeah. a big, that's a big decision too. Cause you do have to buy inventory and you learn, I mean, you're learning in the system and you're doing, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but I do think that you can launch, I guess that's why I love the word adjustment because whatever you learn there, it's transferable. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. go away, you know, oh, it's yeah. not, you know, and that's kind of how I, how I see anything that we do. It's not like we're, we're, we're like, we're just downloading that and dumping it somewhere. I mean, that actually goes in with, with us to our next venture. Um, there's a lot of skills that are trans that I say are transferable in, in whatever we do. And I feel like, um, that's why adjustments are so important. You cannot, you cannot grow until you adjust. Yeah. And sometimes that means leaving some things behind in order to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk more about your book because we, I was like, we haven't even gotten into your book and what that's all about. So tell well, us we're a little... talking about it indirectly, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you have this book called million dollar adjustments, the power of small changes on performance, productivity, and peace. Just break that down for us for a little bit of like, what is this book about? Well, okay. So, um, it basically this, so I started when I was teaching English, um, I had some people tell me some things like, um, some guys maybe had a better education than others in their home country. And Mm -hmm. they would say, I would have coaches say, oh, well, he's going to learn English faster because he has a better education. I didn't always see that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was like, well, that makes sense logically, but that's not always what I'm seeing. And then I would see some guys who had very little education, but were really picking it up. Yeah. And so I thought, what well, must be motivation? So that's what I went with for a little bit. And I'm like, no, that's not just all it is. There's something else here. So what ended up happening was um, I had heard this one guy in my first spring training when I came up to him and I said, he played in the majors for a while. And I said, what, um, what would you say the, the biggest thing you've learned in baseball? And he told me, Hmm, he goes, well, patience and adjustments. Life is about patience. 
expectations and adjustments. Mm. And that took me, that threw me for a loop because I was like, what? I mean, I thought he was going to say, oh, it's, you know, the grind of the season. I just thought he was going to say something else. Right. So, yeah. I didn't expect that. So I didn't really know what to ask him beyond that. Like, well, what does that mean? Adjustment. So I went along my life, you know, my work. And so I started to ask other coaches, Hey, what does it mean by adjustments? And no one was really, no one gave me a great definition. You know, they're more like, well, it's kind of, when you have to move your leg. If you have a bet, if you're a batter, somebody would say, if you're, you know, Oh, well, it's throwing a ball different. So I'm like, okay. So no one ever said the word change and no one ever said the word fail. So I'm like, uh -huh. oh, okay, so we're just talking about adjustments. So I decided to like, how do we test if a person has good adjustments or not. And that's all I heard in meetings. We're like, oh, does this guy have a good adjustment or not? But yeah. no one really had a way to measure it. So I decided to put my engineering hat back on. I went, okay, I'm going to measure that. I got to find a yeah. test to measure it. <laughs> so that's what I did. I, I called in some friends that I knew from other, you know, times in my life who I knew mm -hmm. were very qualified. And I said, hey, um, and we have the University of Notre Dame in my hometown. So I said, hey, um, I need to come up with a test. I'm coming up with this test. And um, I think I already have the test design. I just need you to write protocols and help me make sure it's validated and blah, blah, blah. I had a data scientist and all that. So long yeah. story short, we started seeing what how people made adjustments. And then we started correlating it to on-field performance just for fun. And we saw that it actually did have a correlation. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, look at that. So, um, so then I started messing with like how to make that better in a classroom. So if you're going to learn, how can I help you learn better? If mm -hmm. I know your adjustment pattern, um, saw some amazing things happen there. And finally I'm like, okay, this is kind of like a secret weapon here. Like, and at the time yeah. baseball was doing like all kinds of testing on like I don't know, they were paying, spending all this money for, for like machines to test everything from, you know, velocity, spin velocity and everything, you know, like um, mm -hmm. everything. And I was like, okay, uh, if they're doing all that, then they would probably love to see this. Well, that really, they were looking at other tests. They were looking at other things. So they didn't, again, this is where the English lady thing kind of came into play. So I was like, okay, well, I'm seeing how I'm using it. And I definitely see the correlation from data science you know, analysis that we've done and the algorithms that we've written. So I know that there's a correlation here, but anyway, long story short, um, I just started using it, started seeing it, making a difference. And finally, you know, I had one coach who kind of said, yeah, give it a try. And we started to see some amazing things and he was shocked. Wow. So working with players kind of on the down low. And um, I just realized I needed to write a book about it. I needed to tell people this is a results of what we found. Um, huh. And that's, I, there's some chapters that are a little bit more technical and then there's some chapters that are very general. So I think there's something definitely for everyone. Yeah. I was just about to ask, like, who is this book really like geared for and like, what kind of impact do you want the book to have? Ooh, that is a good question. I love this. <laughs> um, the book is geared for anyone who has to develop themselves or someone else. Mm. But who also has a little patience because you're not going to get, you're not going to get it in the first chapter. You're going to have to, it takes you a little bit. You have to also check what your own adjustment pattern is. It, there's a quiz in there. It's, it's called an audit, but basically you have to look and see what kind of adjustment adjuster are you? Yeah. Um, and then that helps you understand how well you do, how you can take that into developing others or even yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
once we're done with that, it kind of takes you into like, okay, here's the seven types of adjusters that we've seen. And then here's what you do if you're wanting to train your adjustment pattern a little bit. And yeah. here's kind of um, why that's important and what you can do with that. And here's the way you can win at whatever you're doing once you know how to do that. So right. you have to be patient, patience and adjustments. You have to be patient. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, you have to get to the, to, to the meat of it and then find a few things out and then it's going to help you win in whatever you're doing. So, um, that is the point of the book. And so the impact is really to help people get out of their stall mode and, um, to help them reach the goals that they're setting for themselves. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, I love that patience is a part of it because I think especially today, a lot of us just don't have patience and, Mm -hmm especially when it's, when we're trying to achieve our goals or, I mean, with a business or something, you know, we're, we just see everyone's kind of like after picture and we're just like, we just want that now. Like, how do we get there right away? But it's like, no, things take time and, you know, you've got to figure it out. And I mean, I think that's also why I love that you talk about adjustments and you mentioned before about like the coaches weren't really saying about like failing and changes. It was adjustments of like, that's just like the, even using that word makes it sound so much more empowering of like, Oh, it's just like an adjustment. Like we're just going to like make a tweak rather than like, Oh my God, I got to change everything. I failed. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we go to when we, when we do, when we don't see what we want right away. And then what we do is we end up having that belief pattern and we call ourselves a failure. Oh, I fail. I'm a failure. But part of what I say in this book is one of the, one of the ways you make a great adjustment is you hover in the gray area before you make a decision on yourself. Hmm. So yeah, there's this hover period. That's where adjustment really has this key. So something doesn't go right. Okay. You can start beating yourself up and calling yourself names and having these judgment calls about yourself or the situation or other people, or you can hover and just don't make any kind of, you know, rash uh, judgment, just hover for a little while as you work on the adjustment. And that is really one of the tricks that's not easy, but it's so one of like the the best of the best. That's what they do. They, they hover first. Yeah. Um, So Oh, I like that a lot. Cause it also, I'm, I just, I think that like self-awareness is key. And I, it sounds like that hover period is just really essential to just kind of like, let's sit with it. And, yeah. you know, before just jumping in, um, cause I mean, you know, I'm sure that there is a time to just kind of like jump in, but you know, sometimes it's more important to just like sit back, let it settle, see what happens and, and then really and- adjust. Yeah. I love what you just said. And uh, you said, I'm sure there is a time to just jump in. So one of the five elements of adjustment is internal timing. Mm. And that's what tells us how long you need to sit with something or not. Mm. So we measure that in every person that we test and we work with. We need to know what their hover um, tolerance is. Yeah. And you said it was one of five of how to know. What are, what are the so other ones? Okay. So there's five elements of adjustments. So belief is one. And when you hover, that's suspending your beliefs just for a moment um, mm-hmm. on something that went wrong. Now you have beliefs in other areas too. Like if you can even do it again, but beliefs mm-hmm. is one area. The second one is internal timing. 
Exactly what I just mentioned. So we measure, mm -hmm. we can see in the test people's internal timing and that tells us their tolerance in so many different things and what's coming into play when they're in the adjustment um, time frame and, and timing um, yeah. right after failure and uncertainty and things like that. Um, there's strategic action. So there's actually, I don't know if you've, like most of us don't study war, but um, mm -hmm. there are different strategies in war. There's, and, and sports and everything else. There's offensive and defensive strategies, right? Yeah. So in the book, I talk about two offensive strategies and two defensive strategies that are the most common. And when we know that we are ready to start again, we've hovered long enough, we want, you know, we want to get going, we, we tend to, um, depending on the situation, we go with, a, with an offensive strategy. So which of the two do you want to pick to start out with? And you can do a combination, but if you're aware of the types, then you know what, how you're going to attack next, which is really yeah. important. You can't just be wishy-washy or you won't attack. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of it. Um, and then the fourth one is called information synthesis. It's a really nerdy way to say, how well do you see clues in your environment and form like an action plan? So most people today, because of Google and all these search engines and even Instagram, all these different things, we tend to have a narrow and wide focus. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was like, but will you uh, break that down a little bit of what that is? Yeah, so, that? yeah, so like instead of deep and narrow, we have wide and shallow. What did I say before? Did I say narrow? Okay. Yeah. Wide, sorry, wide and shallow. So we, we, we cast our net really wide to, see, to get all kinds of information, but we don't go very deep with any of it. It's just kind of like, okay, this is what we've learned quickly. So you know what happens? That doesn't go into long-term memory. That doesn't really impact you very much. It's almost, it's just you're filtering and scrolling through stuff. And you right. might think on it for a while, but if it really catches your interest, then you'll figure out how to go deep and narrow with it. But most people today are trained to go wide and shallow. And that's creating um, kind of a dilemma for them because they almost have too much. They don't know how to filter it. It's too much. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I so think that, that also goes back to like what we were talking about earlier with the patients. Like we just don't have the patience for it. Right, exactly. So that's part of how you make adjustments. And the last one is knowledge. So you can't really, if you need to find how to do something better, you might need to, that's where you kind of go narrow and deep is where you might need to go get some knowledge um, in order to do what you need to do. So those are the five elements and how they're used and when they're used, you can see it in our adjustment test. Um, so that's what we use to help us really zero in on, on how to help somebody make a better, faster, more impactful adjustment. And then that gives people great peace. They feel like, ah, oh, okay. Now, next time I run into a wall, I'm not going to sit and cry for a day or two. I know what, I know how I'm going to handle it. Yeah. I love it. I was going to ask you, I was like, where does this peace part come in? Cause I thought it was kind of interesting. Like I was like, oh, performance, productivity. That's where we're all about. And I was like, peace. I like that. <laughs> I, I just like, I mean, I think we all, you know, want, you know, to feel at peace. So I was kind of curious of like how um, you decided to put peace in the title. Yeah. Well, performance and productivity, productivity gives most people anxiety. Just those two words, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm and like then, raising my hand. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there you go. Oh, 
I got to perform. Oh, I got to be productive. And then, but, but if it doesn't work out, then it's okay. You have a way to adjust. So this is your backup plan and how you're going to like, and your foundation building. So now you can attack anything. So what that should give you peace. Um, That's really the point of it. I love that. Um, And where can people get your book? Um, They can get it right now on amazon.com. And um, if you go into Barnes and Noble, they, they don't, I don't think they're going to carry it in store, but you can ask for it. Okay. Perfect. That's awesome. And is there anywhere else that people can like find you and connect with you? Yes. um, I have a website. Um, It's major league consulting and you can go to majorleagueconsulting.com, but also um, um, I'm on Instagram, Linda L. Warziniak. Um, you can connect me on Instagram and send me a DM if you want. So those are some simple ways. I love it. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes so that people can easily find you and a link to the book so they can go ahead and get it. Cause it sounds like it's just really packed with knowledge. And so I am curious of like, you know, now that you have, um, sold your business and you've written this book, like what else, like, what are you, what else are you doing right now? Like, you know, to really get this, um, assessment and test out there. So right now I have, um, I still work with one of the major league teams in their, um, education area. So I will be, um, consulting with them and doing work, um, just, I will continue to do that. But I also have people who are interested in learning more about this, um, system, this par test, and maybe how to use it to help other people. And so I am um, opening up to a few people to allow them to be able to take this just like I did with my teachers, yeah. um, have some coaches or people who really want to, um, you know, life coaches or some people who want to add this to their toolkit. Um, I'm taking some, just beginning that journey of allowing some people to do that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm excited to just kind of see where that goes. And I'm sure she's going to like build up, um, just like what you did with your business before. And I mean, there's just like so much that I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I want to talk to you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can call me anytime if you have questions on anything, if I can help you in your own business, or if I can, you know, give you any pieces, any nuggets that are helpful, I'm more than happy to do that. Oh, you're so great. And I love asking, um, how has being yourself impacted your success? Well, we are all so uniquely made and we all have our own talents. We all have our own um, abilities. And when we try to be somebody else, we are saying no to what is innately inside of us. So I think by being yourself, you're saying yes to what has been, you know, what gifts and talents do you already have? And that is so important because no one's going to have it the same way you do. And that is really special, you know? Yeah. I love that so much. And is there any other message that you want to leave with people today? Um, Just that doesn't, that failure is the key to success sometimes. And that, um, Life is uncertain, uncertain, and we are going through great times of um, adjustment right now. And so not to be at, not to be fearful, but to be at peace and to know that you have, um, you were, you know, we're all made to adjust as a baby. We had to learn how to walk. We had to learn how to Mm -hmm. talk. I mean, we are creatures that were designed to adjust. So um, 
don't not to be fear, but fearful, but to be bold and um, to just know that um, no matter what happens, you are capable of moving forward and living a great life. Uh, I love that. And that's just such a good reminder of, yes, like I always like to think of, you know, like when you're a baby and you don't know how to do anything and you've got to learn and like, that's just a part of life. That's so true. Like we are meant to adjust. And I mean, I think the whole world's kind of solved. We have to adjust, um, you know, this past year and stuff. So I just love that you said that, that we are creatures meant to adjust. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's different for everybody, but I think that we will find, you know, when you're not fearful, that's the key. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed my time with you. It's been really fun. Yeah. I mean, you've shared so much knowledge. I've loved it. Oh, thank you, Ariel. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the BU podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and write me a review. I would love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at beautifulchick or on my website, beautifulchick.com. Remember, be you, be beautiful. <laughs>